Good morning again. Please turn to the book of Psalms. I'll be reading Psalm 10, the 10th Psalm. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes of that they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the place of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Rise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, inspired song and prayer to our hearts, to our lives in this time. Amen. Father, by the Holy Spirit and through the love of Jesus and the work of the cross, 
Help every one of us saints feel, feel this psalm. And so to that end, help me be honest with it, unfold what's there to the glory of your name. Amen. If you know the Lord, this psalm relates to you. The relevance, the relevance of it strikes every serious Christian right off the bat in verse 1. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In a nutshell, then, it's a longer psalm, but there's three main parts to it. First, verses 1 and 2, it is a lament of sorrow. Secondly, then in the middle of it, verses 3 to 11, he describes the wicked who seem to prosper. And then it closes with prayer. A call to God to act for His suffering people. So first, the lament Prayer of grief, sorrow that he's expressing in verses 1 and 2. Why, O oh Yahweh, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. So the psalmist he feels confused. He's grieved over the sense that God seems to be hiding from his suffering and the suffering of other saints who are afflicted by evildoers. It's as if, God, you're doing nothing about injustices. And he's baffled. This prayer is here in order to comfort us, believers in Jesus, today. Because every Christian will have seasons just like this in their lives. If you've walked with Jesus long enough, you know what it is to just feel for seasons you're walking through the raindrops. You know, you need an umbrella. They're not touching you. Everything is going just great. The job, the money, the kids, the church, the spouse, the vacations, prayers of thanksgiving are easy. And you know, God is good. He's sovereign over that experience in that season for your life. And then... 
a monsoon slams you. And every wind knocks you over. And all the rain hits you. And you cry out, Psalm 10, Yahweh, Father, Lord Jesus, where are you? The psalmist is raw. And he's open with his life. It's an emergency. It's a crisis. The the people in the wrong are in hot pursuit. Verse 2, in arrogance the wicked hotly pursue the poor. But this complaint, as we pause and we think about it, is really encouraging to those who belong to the Lord. In other words, because His two whys here, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble when I need you? First, it's encouraging because what that implies is this. The psalmist sees what's happening and it seems as though God is acting or not acting in a way that is out of His character for Him. Justice is not being done. That's what he feels. Now, here's the encouraging part and why it's in the Bible. Nevertheless, he is free. He's free to pray and to express his frustrations with God. Now, having said that, look, there is a way to pray your frustrations to God that that prayer itself is Arrogant sinfulness. Don't deny that. But that's not what's happening here. Verse 2 shows us that the lowly or the poor are being sinfully taken advantage of by evildoers. And the point is, the psalmist knows God hates evil. Evildoers. He loves evil. Justice. So why are you standing way over there? So as that injustice continues to the next day and the next week and the next month, God continues to allow it. It seems out of character to who Yahweh, the just God, Why? Why do you just stand over there and not intervene on behalf of the just cause? That's why he says there in the end of verse 2, here's his prayer. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. 
That there shows us this lament part is faith-filled. Faith is perplexed in verse 1, but it goes on pleading with God in verse 2. That's why it's a wonderfully encouraging example. Because look, the lesson is, the psalmist doesn't take his perplexity here and turn it into a philosophical pondering. Why do bad things happen to good people? There's a place, there's a time for that within the church. There's a place and a time to go biblical with those kinds of questions and interactions with one another. But that's not the point of this psalm. The point here is faith. It's trust. It's relationship with God in prayer. What I mean is, notice again, verse 1. Why, O Yahweh, do you stand far off? It's not a discussion with others about the problem of evil here. He uses the second person. It's a direct question or expression in prayer to God Himself. Why do you? It's not a philosophical dilemma here. It's a devotional dilemma. Like, Lord, Why, after my mother-in-law loses her only son tragically and too young, do you stand far away and allow her precious little dog to get out the gate because the plumbers leave it open and Sasha doesn't come home? Why that on top of everything else? The psalmist doesn't understand Yahweh. But he doesn't avoid Him. He doesn't run away from Him. He goes to Him. He's still intimately dealing with the Lord. And that's That's the point of his lament. And then comes the large middle section of the psalm, verses 3 to 11, where he just is expressing to the Lord, it seems like the wicked get off scot-free. Start with verse 3. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain 
curses and renounces Yahweh, the ungodly who hate you. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high. They're out of his sight. As for all of his foes, he puffs at them in his arrogance. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. Like a Fidel Castro. Decades and decades. Why do you let him live so long? The psalmist goes on to continue about the God-haters, the evildoers, in verses 7 to 10. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his scheme or net of trickery. The helpless are crushed. They sink down and they fall by his might. In today's world, this would refer to an immoral lawyer crushing people's lives immorally, though legally, but immorally in lawsuits. It would refer to crooked businessmen it refers to gossips and thieves and murderers and Marxist revolutionaries in the guise of organizations like Black Lives Matter. It refers to administrators and teachers poisoning the minds of kids by telling them that they and their parents are racist simply because of the color of their skin. It refers to the evil of slander done to individuals during Senate Judiciary Committee hearings on Supreme Court nominees like Clarence Thomas or Justice Kavanaugh. And the list goes on and on and on. And the kicker is, they think, I haven't been struck by lightning. My bank account is growing. I feel happy. My path of life is working out fine for me. God is not aware. He's not concerned with my actions. Verse 11. He says in his heart, God has forgotten he has hidden his face. He will never see it. Just so far, those first two parts, just think about what the question and 
the context for what this means for God's people today. In verses 1 and 2, God, you're far off. You're letting a lot of bad stuff happen. Verses 3 to 11 are the example. For instance, this horrible person is doing all kinds of terrible stuff, but things in his life are going just nicely. What is that supposed to do to us? Why is it here? Here's my answer. It's real. It keeps the pain of the present evil world alive in us as believers. It's another reminder that during this time, the Lord's people stand against the world. As Jesus said to us, if they hated me, they will hate you also. Much of what transpires and happens in our own personal lives or what happens in our country today or in big business or in school systems, they're meant to disturb us and therefore to drive us to prayer. Which brings us to verses 12 to 18. Pleading with God. Arise, O Yahweh. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. So he prays on behalf of those who suffer at the hands and the systems of the wicked. And we'll keep reading. As he does, notice his hope grows as he prays. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account. Watch it, watch it. He's still praying. But you do see. For you note mischief and vexation. That you may take it into your hands. To you... The helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. So Yahweh, Lord Jesus, you do see all. You take note. And that's significant because you are king. That's where he goes next. Verse 15 and 16. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. 
Yahweh is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. In other words, sooner or later, perfect justice will be done. No matter how the wicked seem to prosper now. No matter how they, they, they seem to be getting away with it. The Lord Jesus is king. He will act. And then he wraps it up with these true words that bring comfort and strength to those who love the Lord. In their prayers and in the midst of this reality in this world. Verse 17. O Yahweh, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. The Lord hears the prayers of the afflicted, of the suffering, of the ones at the end of the spear of the evildoer. But notice, even while we still await for that day of reckoning, of justice, one promise from the Lord is not delayed. Verse 17. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their hearts. You settle their hearts. The final solution is coming in verse 18. But the strength we need to endure until then comes in verse 17. You will strengthen their heart. Assurance comes in our communion with God in prayer. Listen, just a real brief thing that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Timothy, at my first defense, and this was a, a public courtroom defense with a businessman who hated Christianity and Paul. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. And he means Christians. But all deserted me. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Isn't that how it works in our lives as believers? There's a lot of storms, and we're drawn. 
prayer for ourselves, a loved one, friends, the church in the world. We go to the Lord and in the praying itself, it causes us to focus on the Lord Himself, which causes us to be encouraged, to have our hearts strengthened, because we see things from His perspective as we do that. Again, listen to what he prays in verse 13. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account, but Lord, you do see. There's a worldview. There's a worldview that takes one out of the miry muck of depression and hopelessness. You see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. So we, we, like the psalmist, internalize the word of God. Internalize God's position on things. He knows God's position. And we pray it back to him. Like verses 15 and 16. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account until there is no more, till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his hand. And what comes out of that is the experience of verses 17 and 18. Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. All of that right there is experiencing the promise of the Lord Jesus to us in John chapter 14, verses 16 to 17. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even, or in other words, that is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But this is true of every believer. You know Him, and He dwells with you, and He will be in you. And will strengthen your hearts in prayer by Him. The Holy Spirit. Evil lurks throughout the earth today in government mandates, in anti Christian indoctrination throughout our school systems and universities 
and media and culture at large. There are many human forces and demonic powers endeavoring to strike terror into Jesus' people. And yet, the despised people of the Lord have a deep assurance that the King, the Sovereign One of the universe, is watching. He hears the desire of the afflicted and he strengthens their hearts and he bends his ear to their every prayer. And ultimately so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. And that peace comes to hearts in prayer. Prayer based upon the truth of the word of God prayed back to him. Even while the terror of the evildoers still lurks. It's what has given the martyrs courage throughout the centuries to stand for truth in the face of torture and death. And they, as we in macro situations or just in micro situations of our lives, we as Christians will continually experience verses 1 and 2. We're baffled at God's timing. Why? Oh, Lord. Do you just stand over there? Don't you see? You see! But here's the point. In the midst of it, we are assured of His care, His care for us. We are assured of His care for truth and His care for justice. And thus, in that, we're strengthened. We're strengthened to follow Him, to stand and to hold to the truth of the Scripture. That there is a creator and there is a judgment day. And that he has created humanity in his image. And there are only two sexes, male and female. That he created human sexuality. And all of it is in and of itself sinful. Outside the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And that there is only one hope, one salvation for all of us sinners coming from Adam. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the truth 
in prayer where He strengthens the heart of His people to stand for truth even if the whole world is against you. To stand for the clarity of the Gospel. And as we do that, subjectively, fear and terror subside because we commune with our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to turn to Jesus in that most special way. Partake of His body and His blood together is baptized believers. And He will again and again by His Spirit here strengthen our resolve, strengthen our courage, strengthen our hearts to walk with Him. Let's pray. Oh, we thank You for Your presence, Father, here through Your Word this morning. We thank You for the beauty and the comfort of words which convey meaning, which convey You. And then mixed with Your Spirit that causes sinners To see causes saints to believe. And you bring the experience of intimacy and assurance and comfort. Oh, you are good. And we delight to receive the bread, your body, the blood, the cup for us and for our salvation. Amen.